Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank podcast. We love God, love people, and love our city. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. Hi, Every Nation family. Thank you so much for joining us again for Church Online. Last week, we started a sermon series called A Year of Yes, A Year of Saying Yes to the Lord, finding joy in a crazy world, finding joy in a crazy world. The purpose of an objective of the series is you can still have joy despite what you are facing. You can still have joy by the power of Jesus Christ that is in you. As we say yes to the life that Jesus has called us to, we will be surprised by the joy in every season, in every turn that we go through. So we choose joy. When we choose Jesus, we choose joy. When we choose Christ, we choose joy. So let me give you a distinction between happiness and joy. Uh, Happiness is from external circumstances that makes you happy. Joy is from inside out. Out. Joy is the internal condition of the heart. Joy is what makes us bubble with the joy of God. Joy is what makes us to even smile even when we go through a whirlwind. Despite what's going on around us, we can have joy. For example, if you get a gift on Valentine's, you get happy from external to inside to internal. If you don't get a gift, you get sad. You're not happy. Not that I got a gift. I'm just saying. But joy is whether you get a gift or not, you rejoice because Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is on the throne of your heart because joy is the internal condition of the heart. The Bible says, greater is he who is in us than the one who is in the world. If Jesus is in your heart, you will have joy. The Bible also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as we do this book, it is about finding joy in a crazy world. Last week, Pastor Roger shared with us so well about a joyful life. A joyful life is marked by the joy of serving the joy of sharing the good news, the joy of seeing kingdom advancement. Our centering text, our centering verse from last week was uh, Philippians 1 verse 6, which says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in us, he will bring it to completion. So our centering verse is that which we memorize, that which we think about, we ponder about, we meditate about throughout the course of the week. As we are focusing on the book of Philippians, we will keep on giving you the centering verses to center yourself to find joy in the Almighty God. With so much sadness happening in our world today, you can ask, how can I be joyful? With so much doubt and uncertainty, you may ask, how can I be confident? And if you are answer, asking that question, and this is the, 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 that which I will try to uh, answer for us today, there's three secrets that we find in what Apostle Paul writes while he was in prison about finding joy and finding our confidence, even in the midst of the whirlwind. 
We remember that this uh, book of Philippians was written when Apostle Paul was in prison. I mean, Paul was another kind of Christian. While he's in prison, he's writing about joy. So today we focus on a confident life. How God is calling us to live a confident life even in the midst of the challenges we're facing. A confident life is marked with a mission on earth, the joy of the gospel, and a longing for eternity. A confident life is marked by mission on earth, the joy of the gospel, and a longing for eternity. Our centering verse for this coming week is from Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ but to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. As we continue with this series, please write down these verses, the centering verses, uh, ponder over them and read them aloud over and over again so you get a revelation of what God is communicating to us. So our text today is based on Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 26. So please uh, read with me as it appears on the screen. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest of all that this imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident of the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, because of your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with the full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored. In my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Based on this text, I would like to 
share with us these three secrets that we find in this text. These three secrets that help us to live a confident life. The three secrets are this. A confident life is centered on Christ's mission. A confident life is centered on tapping into the strength that we have in Christ. And thirdly, a confident life is living for Christ's glory. A confident life is living for Christ's glory. So let us speak a little bit about a confident life that is centered on Christ's mission. You may ask, what is this mission that Christ came for here on earth? We read in verse 12 to 14 of this text that we've read, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the kingdom. I really don't get this. Paul is saying me being in prison has actually caused the advancement of the gospel. As I said earlier, Paul was a special kind of Christian. He's saying that everyone now knows that I am in prison because of Christ. He was happy to be in prison because of Christ. And he continues to say, most of the brethren have become confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment. Paul has a deeper understanding of the power and the revelation that comes with the gospel of Christ. Christ's mission is the gospel that saves life. Christ's mission is the gospel that changes life. Christ's mission is the gospel that transforms lives. Christ's mission is the gospel that will bring the transformation that we are longing for to see in our nation, in our city, and in the nations of the world. Christ's mission is the preaching of the gospel for the salvation of lives. I want to share a story with you about something that happened on the 5th of August, 2010. This is a story about a mine in Chile. It was called a San Jose mine that caved in because of some things that didn't go well in that mine. There were about 33 mine workers who were trapped 700 meters underground for 69 days. That is just over three months. They only had food for about three days. And imagine how are they going to survive being there while hoping that they will be rescued. This uh, story, there have been movies that have been made out of it, documentaries have been made out of it, and people who are involved have been interviewed to speak about the trauma and how dire the situation was. The president of Chile and the, the rescue team, they faced the brutal facts, but they also helped to give hope. This is what the president says, we will bring them up to the surface, dead or alive. We'll bring them up dead or alive. It's like facing the brutal fact, but also creating hope that they are alive, we're going to bring them up. The mine workers and their families and the rescue team prayed for a miracle. If you go and watch the documentary or the movie, you'll see how much prayer went into this miracle. The rescue team leader, who was an engineer with uh, 20 years of uh, underground mining experience, this is what he said. He said, we constantly highlighted the core mission as saving lives. We constantly highlighted the core mission as saving lives. I believe that uh, the core business of the church is to save people's lives. The main function of the church is to save those who are dying. Despite all the negative outcomes they experienced, they kept on saying, the core mission 
is to save lives. After 17 days of drilling, they got a breakthrough. They had drilled a number of holes all over the place. They used all kinds of technology to get to the miners who were trapped under, and they found themselves in a place of refuge. It was after those 17 days with one billion people watching all over the world, the miners who were under there were pulled out one by one with a capsule. There was a banner that was raised on the day that says, Mission Accomplished, Mission Accomplished Chile. The banner that we raise as children of God is this banner, Mission Accomplished, the cross of Jesus Christ. Mission Accomplished, the cross of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to save lives. He died to save not just 33, he died to save the billions of people that are living on earth today. When life seemed to be caving in on you, or to those around you, remember, we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. He came to seek and save the lost. The Great Commission, go and make disciples, is filled with this great commandment, love God and love people. Because we love God and we love people, we go out there and we make Jesus known to them. That is why in this church we burn with a passion to honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. We are called to make disciples. What is your life centered around? What is your goal in life? What is your main goal? Why did God put you here on earth? I want to live a Christ-centered life. I want to live a life that is centered on the mission of Jesus Christ, and that is the gospel. In case you say, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to live a gospel-centered life and make disciples. We are studying our Making Disciples course tomorrow. You can sign up today. If you want to live a Christ-centered life, a life that is centered on the mission of Christ, which is the gospel, sign up and be trained and be equipped on how to win and save lives that are dying out there. So the secret of living with confidence is to focus on Christ's mission. The second secret that I want us to speak about is the secret that is tapping into the strength of Jesus Christ. Tapping into the strength of Christ. We read from verse 15 to 18 about how people preach the gospel out of a wrong motivation and those that preach the gospel out of a good motivation. Some indeed preach Christ from envy or jealousy. Some out of rivalry or competition but others from goodwill. Others are preaching the gospel with pure motives. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul is saying, I'm put here in prison for the defense of the gospel. He emphasizes this point. He says, others are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition, not sincere. They're not preaching out of sincerity. Some are preaching out of pretense. Some are preaching out of truth. But something amazing, Paul is saying, I rejoice, even if they may not be preaching out of a right motive, out of impure motives. He says, I rejoice that the, pro the, pro the gospel is preached anyway, even though some preach Christ out of wrong motives and some out of pure motives. Paul says, I rejoice. Paul's rejoicing was based on the proclamation and the advancement of the gospel. Nothing less, nothing more. Paul was very clear about what he was living for. 
his source of joy was gospel proclamation. My question to you is, what are you living for? What is your source of joy? Where do you draw your joy from? How did Jesus endure the cross? The Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross because of the joy that was coming, because of the lives that are going to be saved, because of the lives that are going to be taken out of darkness to the kingdom of light. Jesus endured the cross. Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It means when we tap into Christ's strength, there is joy that comes out of us. I believe those that preach the gospel with pure motives, they experience the joy of the gospel. I'm sure you can uh, uh, identify with me here. If you have ever led someone to the Lord, there's a certain joy that bubbles, that gushes out of you. The Bible says heaven rejoices with one sinner repenting and giving their lives to Christ. So if heaven rejoices, what happens inside here is amazing. A few weeks ago, I went to the bank with my son to pick up his bank card, teenagers and their needs, I say. And while we were still there, the lady who was helping us at the bank, um, she started to have problems with her computer and she needed to ask for help from time to time. And she was... Uh, getting bothered by this, and we started a conversation with her, and we told her we'd go to church, and we even offered to pray for her, and she was really, really blessed by the fact that we offered to pray for her. After we left, just before we got to the house, I get the call from this very lady. She said, hey, you prayed for me, and I just feel the joy of God, and my computer is working now. By the way, where did you say your church is? The joy of God just started bubbling in me, and we got to invite her to church. We gave her a link for church online. She joined us that very next Sunday. As I'm speaking to you, she's probably even watching now. And this lady, um, I reached out to her that very Sunday afternoon. She sent me a message saying that um, the preacher who was speaking was as if he was speaking to me, speaking my life story, as if you told him about me. And I had the joy of leading her to the Lord over the phone. And man, the joy that was bubbling in my heart as I have led her to the Lord. It is in Philemon that the Bible says that we will not fully understand the good things that we have in Christ unless we share our faith with others. So, we have explored two secrets so far. The secret of living a confident life is centering your life on Christ's mission, that is the gospel. The second secret to live a confident life is to tap into Christ's strength, which is the joy of the Lord that comes through sharing the good news. Remember, we've got you covered. You can do a Making Disciples course to understand how to share the good news with others. The third secret I want to share with you today it is a confident life is living for Christ's glory. A confident life is living for Christ's glory. When you read in uh, verse 19 from this text that we've been uh, reading from, it says, For I know that through your prayers, through the prayers of the saints, prayer is powerful. Prayer changes lives. Prayer takes people out of prison. Paul says, through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit, this will turn out for my deliverance. Deliverance is coming through the partnership of our prayers and the power of the Spirit. So when we pray for the lost, we pray knowing that God hears and He answers prayer. 
Paul goes into this uh, amazing writing that he has here. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope, I will not be all ashamed, but I will have full courage now as always that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And we come to our centering verse in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul continues to write, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between these two. I'm hard pressed. I need to choose between these two, whether I stay or I go. But I like what he says next. He says, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. That is far better to be with Christ. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. For your own good, it's better that I stay. Convinced of this, that I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. You will have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because I stayed. Paul is saying this very, very crucial thing. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The crucial thing for Paul is not life or death. It is maintaining this faithful witness to Christ. Paul's preference is to be with Christ, but yet he chooses to stay for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. Paul's desire is to be with the Lord is overshadowed by the glory that will come through the preaching of the gospel. So a life that is uh, centered in Christ, a life that taps into Christ's strength, a life that uh, taps into the glory of Christ is a life that advances the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is modeling to the Philippians a service-driven life. What is your ultimate purpose in life? What is it that you're living for? Are you living for your own glory or are you living for the glory of the King of Kings? I'm blown away by the examples of people like Mother Teresa, Tata Nelson Mandela, who had devoted their lives to the service of others to the point of giving glory to God. I seek to live a life that will glorify God. People may think that being a pastor is glamorous. You have no idea the sacrifices that comes with being a pastor. It is a service-driven life that we live for the kingdom. I sometimes think to myself, I should have just stayed in the factory working as an engineer for Unilever. Life would have been much better. But then I repent right there and then. I remind myself of the words of Apostle Paul when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So we live for the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As we conclude, I've been helping to answer the question of how can we live a confident life, a life of confidence in an uncertain world, filled with pain and suffering. And now we know there's three secrets. A confident life is centered around Christ's mission, the gospel of Jesus Christ. A confident life taps into Christ's strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the joy of sharing the good news. A confident life is living for Christ's glory. Living or dying is for His glory. If you remember one thing from this sermon and from this message today, 
is the secret to living a confident life is to focus and to center your life on Christ. Pivot your life on Christ. This amazing prayer of St. Patrick of Ireland captures it so well. I'm going to ask you to join with me as we pray this prayer together, whether you're at home, in a hotel, maybe you're sitting next to your swimming pool, maybe you're in bed, I don't know where you're watching from, maybe you're with one of our watch parties, join this prayer with me. May Christ shield me today, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me. Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray that we will prioritize you first and foremost. Despite all that's happening in our world today, I pray that we will center our lives on you, Christ Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Christ Jesus, the one who died on the cross. Christ Jesus, the one who shed the blood for us. Christ Jesus, the one whom the Bible says of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Christ Jesus, the one who take human form to set us free from a life of sin and darkness. Christ Jesus, the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Christ Jesus, the one who sit at the right hand of God to make petitions for us as the saints of God. Christ Jesus, the one who will rule and reign forever and ever. Lord, I pray that today we will have a revelation of a life that's centered around you, like Apostle Paul centered his life around you. Lord, I pray that a new confidence will rise in us, Father, that despite the whirlwind, despite all the uncertainties of life today, we will say Christ in us, the hope of glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ in me, the hope of glory.